At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, it's camp week. How you doing, Birds fans? It's the Mega Mac guys. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Thank you very much for slogging through these last several months with us as we got ready for the 2021 season. It is all but arrived. It will officially tomorrow with Eagles reporting to camp to get the year underway. J-Mac, how was your weekend? Oh, oh, the circus is here, Jody. And that's what I'm writing about, incidentally, on phillyboys.com. So it'll uh, be up there this morning or early afternoon, but... Man, you thought Zach Ertz showing up for camp was a thing. Woo! Deshaun Watson showing up to camp and, and Houston, that speeds up the process. We'll talk about that. And then the Eagles finally get their cornerback too. So all that talk about Steven Nelson, it's not meaningless anymore. He's here. He took, uh, obviously, a cost-effective deal. This is how the Eagles have built that side of the ball. They have so many proven contracts on that side of the ball, the latest being Steven Nelson. And I got to tell you, Jody, I know who had the best night's sleep last night. It's not me. I got some kind of nerve problem in my shoulder. It's Jonathan Gannon, man, because I guarantee you he wasn't sleeping this entire offseason. Now he can get a few winks and say, least I have somebody credible to put outside a cornerback opposite of Darius Slay. See, that's where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to say Darius Slay because he has been reaching out on social media to try and get himself a running mate on the outside. Right, Otherwise, yeah, he slept well, too. He, I think he got some good Z's because, uh, yeah, now he's at least going to be challenged this year. There was a good chance Darius Slay could be out there for every play the Eagles have this year and never have the ball thrown at yeah, him but once. That's why, but but it, it probably makes things worse for Darius. Now he's going to have to pay. He could have looked like the best cornerback in football because nobody went near him. Now he's going to have to play. So maybe yeah. he lost a couple wings. It, it all depends on how you define playing well. If they never throw at you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good cornerback. It just points out how bad the, the guy is. On the other side of the field. Well, the Eagles have some balance now. Let's start there. Uh, the first report came out yesterday, I would say mid to late afternoon, that uh, the Eagles had gotten their CB2 in Mr. Nelson. Every report I've seen in the first reports were, of course, just that he signed. Within the next couple hours, the report started to stagger in that it was a one-year deal that Nelson will earn around possibly in excess of $4 million, which when you read that, you think, oh, okay, he signed a one-year deal for $4 million. Well, no. you and I doubt highly that that's no. the case. No. We have not gotten all the details on the contract, but we both agree that when we get the exact way that it breaks out, it's not going to be a one-year $4 million deal. It'll be a multi-year deal that will give him the chance to earn upwards of $4 million in the first year of that deal. And it'll come down to number crunching and making it as cap friendly as possible, right? Yeah. One thing I know about Howie Roseman, uh, Jody, is the fact that uh, 
there's going to be voidable years on the end of this contract. Essentially, it's going to be a five-year deal because that's a maximum. Uh, He's going to spread out the signing bonus over those five years. So ultimately, my guess is he's going to count about $1.6 million against the cap. Uh, Now, in the offseason, you have what's called the top 51 rule. That means only the top 51 contracts uh, count against the salary cap this time of year. This is where I think people get confused. They say, well, he's $1.6 million under, uh, taken away from a salary cap. You only have $4.8 million or whatever. And they start hand-wringing, can you sign Landon Dickerson? Uh, what can you do uh, with, with any other moves you need to make? No, he's going to count about seven. He's going to take about 750000 off the cap because what happens is Nelson goes in that top 51 but somebody drops off that top 51. So you take the difference in the two contracts and it's going to be really cost effective. Now the back end of that, Jody, I'm probably getting too deep into this. No, you, I think we need to explain it. Please keep going. Back end, the top, you, you, you obviously have 53 people on the roster. So you have to think ahead. When you do get the Pono cuts, all 53 of those players have to count under the salary cap. So you do have to sort of balance and realize what's coming down the road as well. But for the short term, this guy's only going to count 750, take 750 grand off their cap. So really cost effective deal from a salary cap standpoint, plenty of room to sign Landon Dickerson whenever he comes in. And I know you're getting your hamstrings ready to take the victory lap. Um, Now there's other issues, which we'll get into. You're going to have to make some serious moves if you decide, oh, we want to go after you-know-who, but that's for down the road. We'll get to you-know-who in a second. But first, let's uh, give some insight to what Stephen Nelson brings to the Eagles. Drafted by the Chiefs five years ago, spent the first couple of uh, years in Kansas City, had a real good year in his last year there in KC before he decided to go to the free agent market and signed with the Steelers. Um, 2018 was pretty darn good with Kansas City. His best year was probably 2019, his first year with the Steelers, when he was one of the higher-ranking cornerbacks as per uh, pro football focus. A little bit of a drop-off last year. Not as good. That's why he became available. The Steelers were going to owe him like $8 million under the cap this year. He didn't play like an $8 million cornerback, so they ended up releasing him in March. (laughs) So he wasn't in the early wave of free agents. Some guys had already uh, signed with other teams, free agent cornerbacks. So his market was kind of stagnant for the majority of the offseason. He had a number that he thought he was worth and was going to get. Teams weren't willing to meet it. Uh, We've only been talking about him here on Bridge 365 since the show started back in April because he made a lot of sense. Uh, Four million and change, if that's what the number is going to be via signing bonus and uh, regular salary. Is that a good number? Is that a fair number? Did the Eagles save money by holding on to this deal? Did Steven Nelson get what he actually deserved or did he have to come back to the pack a little bit? Well, I, I think he had to come back to the pack a little bit. I mean, obviously the Eagles have been interested behind the scenes. We've known this. We haven't mentioned this name just out of the air. We've known it for quite some time. They had significant interest. The, they were holding sort of uh, holding down the fort as far as a, what they wanted to pay him. 
And from Stephen Nelson's side, he wanted to get as close to that eight and a half million he was scheduled to make in Pittsburgh. Was never going to happen. No. So I've kind of mentioned this on the show. He had a decision to make. Um, he could probably make a little bit more money somewhere else. But what the Eagles were able to offer that nobody else could offer was that opportunity. So you can start. You know if you're coming to the Philadelphia Eagles, you're the starter pretty much day one. Now he gets here so late, you might he might need a couple of days to ramp up. But you know he's going to be the starter here. So he's going to have an opportunity to get back to free agency next year and make what he thinks he's worth. So you had to weigh that from the player standpoint. Do I want to take a little less money to go to Philadelphia where I have this big opportunity or maybe take a little more money where I'm the third or fourth corner? I think he made the right decision from him as a player standpoint. And I think the Eagles made the right decision by holding firm on their offer. However, I do think the Eagles went up a little bit. So there was a little compromise. I think the Eagles wanted him at a lower price than they got him at. So there was a little bit of a compromise. And I think in whenever there is that compromise, I think both sides feel a little bit happier uh, about the deal. And I think uh, a smart football friend of mine told me just recently that uh, deadlines cause action. Yeah, that would be. I said McMullen. that. Yes, no kidding. Idea. That's what I'm right. referring to, you partner. I thought you were talking CBS. I no, thought you forgot exactly it. That's exactly what I'm talking I'm, about. I'm, I'm talking about you saying deadlines cause action. Well, there's a reason why right. this happened I yesterday. Throat. I apologize. No. I apologize. I'm a little. I'm a little antsy because you know everybody gives credit to the big national guys, which I understand. We've been talking about these things for months. It pisses me off a little bit. So under, I, under, I'm, I'm probably plus my shoulder hurts. Uh, so I'm probably a little sensitive. I apologize. Under, understood. Yeah. I was giving you props. And uh, that the point I was trying to get to was there's a reason why this announcement came down yesterday. Because the Eagles start camp tomorrow. That's a deadline. Yeah. You want Steven Nelson to be there day one because you're right. A team's had their off-season gatherings, which weren't really practice, were more competitions than anything else. And Nick Seriati got his head handed to him in rock, paper, scissors. But at least it was uh, the team being together and spending time and getting some work in, not all of a lot. But they're open to actually do work here now that camp is open. So bringing in someone from the outside, you want to get them ingratiated. You want to get them into the mix. You want to get their year started as a member of your football team rather than wait another week, if they had waited another week, could they have held another half a million dollars back and paid him less? Well, maybe, but is it worth it? Or do you need him here from day one so that he feels like a team, so everybody knows he's going to be in competition? Yeah, no competition whatsoever. For the starting cornerback position, that's why this deal got done this week. The Eagles probably came up. Steven Nelson, same thing. If he's subscribing to the McMullen theory of, hey, here's my advantage of signing with a team like the Eagles. Oh, I'm going to be the starter. I'm coming in day one. I know I'm going to start. Well, the more you miss a camp, the less given that that is, that you're going to be the starting cornerback. So both sides had reason to get a deal done. And that's why we had the announcement that we had yesterday. Yeah, and that's why we're going to have the announcement of Landon Dickerson. I still think he's going to be on the field uh, for practice Wednesday. We'll see. And obviously, he's not healthy anyway, so he's not he's not going to be a full go anyway. Um, 
And, you know, we're, we're going to start talking about Deshaun Watson a lot more because Roger Goodell kind of upped that. It's not a real deadline. It's sort of a, a manufactured deadline. But all of a sudden, 2022 has turned into 2021. Uh, and that means teams have to get in line. Deadlines always spur action. You know that as the former uh, – your, your dad is a former general manager – uh, in Major League Baseball, the trade deadline in every sport, what does it do? It creates creates that necessity to act. You might be holding out to the very end, but it's life, man. If you got a deadline, you know, as a reporter, hey, give me a time. It's got to be done. It's going to be done. And speaking of deadlines, that's exactly what was, was won yesterday for Deshaun Watson. I did not know this was going to be the case. Shoot, I didn't even know the date that the Texans were supposed to report. Uh, their first day of practice, much like the Eagles, is going to be Wednesday. But for whatever reason, their reporting date was yesterday. Eagles report on Tuesday, practice Wednesday. The Texans report on Sunday and practice Wednesday. I don't know what they're doing the next two days. Maybe they're going to Disney World. I don't know. Um, but that was the way that they had it set up. And word came out late yesterday morning, early afternoon, Deshaun Watson expected to report to camp. Came out late in the afternoon, Deshaun Watson did report to camp, and the NFL had taken exactly zero action against him. Rampant speculation, what are they going to do? Are they going to put him on a commission exempt list? Will he be paid not to show up and be told to stay home? Would the Texans take any action and tell Deshaun, yeah, don't bother showing up. We'll acknowledge that you came so you don't lose your 50000 a day in fines, but we really don't want you in the building. No, he showed up. He was there. He absolutely made himself available to detect it, knowing full well he wasn't going to have to practice. I don't know what he did. Maybe went in, maybe signed some paperwork. Well, I, think, I, I, I think COVID testing had something to do with it. Um, so who knows? You know, I don't want to speculate as far as vaccinated, unvaccinated, but I I think that had a lot to do with it. And that was sort of the date of the Texans set. And I think everybody around this league assumed, to be honest, uh, that he was going to be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. And all of a sudden he's not. And you you look at the sort of the, the terminology in the CBA and I know Tom Pelissero from NFL Media pointed this out. I pointed it out. Look, if if they don't put you on this list, it, it's not screaming from the mountaintop, but it's a clear indication that in their stupid parallel investigation, they don't have enough evidence uh, to shut you down, to put you on ice, so to speak. Um, and that was the signal to the entire league. So now the ball is back in Houston's court. Now you see reporters all over the place today. Houston's willing to talk about trading Deshaun Watson. Well, they've been willing to talk about trading Deshaun Watson for a number of weeks. We had John McClain on this show. He's he's plugged into the Texans better than anybody. He's told you that for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, they're going to trade him. It's just a matter of when the uncertainty dies down and, and the timing of that potential trade. Well, the timing, which everybody assumed was going to be 2022, so everybody could take a step back and take a deep breath. Guess what? It might not be 2022 because the Texans don't want him there. He doesn't want to be there. 
They don't want the circus. And at some point, Nick Cesario is going to say, all right, give me your best offers. And you got to make a decision. And whether you're Denver or Carolina or Miami or the Philadelphia Eagles, you got to make a decision and say, are we doing it or are we not doing it? Are we willing to take the PR hit? Are we not willing to take the PR hit? Everybody in this league. And, Jody, when I say everybody, I mean everybody thinks the Eagles are going to be at the front of that line. And I'm not surprised by that, uh, yes, because you and I have been talking about it again since basically the show started uh, back in April when Birds 365 kicked off. The speculation was out there, and it was easy to decipher that the Eagles were one of the teams that uh, would be at the top of the Deshaun Watson list because they have an unproven quarterback in Jalen Hurts, and they have more draft capital than anybody else in the National Football League in the upcoming draft. Even McMullen and McDonald, two guys who aren't great at math, can put two and two together and come up with four. So, yes, the Eagles made a lot of sense to be the number one uh, team uh, to have the wherewithal to be able to do a Deshaun Watson deal. Here's my question. What are the Eagles doing to gather information right now? The NFL, quote unquote, did its uh, investigation on Deshaun Watson. And apparently, although there's no official statement from the NFL, they didn't think it warranted or merited him being put on the commissioner's exempt list. You can read into that whatever you want. They're not going to share their findings of their investigation with us. The one thing that bothered me, and this was out there about two and a half, three weeks ago, uh, I think it was Tony Busby who put it out there. They had not yet spoken to Deshaun Watson. How do you have an investigation if you're the National Football League on a player in your league and not have a face-to-face sit down and conversation with him. But they hadn't talked to Watson yet. They were doing everything else first and then getting back to Watson. I'm not sure about how the NFL does its investigation, but that's the way it was stated. Uh, I've not seen anything that said since then, and like I said, it was two, two and a half weeks ago, that they did have their sit down with Deshaun and Deshaun had been interviewed. He did come out and say to his attorney, he's very willing to be interviewed for this investigation, but I don't know that it's happened yet. So the NFL's got its investigation. We know that the police in Houston did their investigation. And to this point, there have been no criminal charges against Deshaun Watson. For the Eagles to get involved in this conversation and potentially put an offer on the deal, they're going to have to have their own opinion of where this case is going. How did the Eagles investigate this from up here in Philadelphia down in Houston? Well, number one, you have to rely a lot on the league. Remember, the league is providing teams information. Now, I'm the first one to tell you the league's investigative policies are stupid. I've said that numerous times. You look at the Washington football team. Oh, we don't have a written report. We've had lawyers on this show. What lawyer doesn't do a written report? You know, they do things the way they want to do things. And they don't have subpoena power. So I don't know how they can get to the bottom of this to begin with. So you know that going in, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to talk to the Houston Police Department. Obviously, I think a lot of people have done that uh, around the country. The, 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 the large, you know, the wave, as long as there's an open case, and from what I understand, it's still an open case, there could be criminal charges. But nobody believes there's going to be criminal charges, for better or for worse. So... There's only so much you can do without subpoena power, as I said. The Eagles don't have it. Um, 
the NFL doesn't have it. Only the authorities have it. And obviously the Houston PD, you know, uh, Big Dom is the Eagles uh, uh, security guy. Uh, you know, he does a lot of this work. I guarantee you this, Jody, they've already made the decision. The decision on whether to go after Deshaun Watson, or not, they've already made that decision. The question has always been timing. When is the timing? The timing may have just been sped up, bottom line. The timing was right to get Stephen Nelson signed yesterday. What does the timing of Deshaun Watson showing up at Texans camp mean to a conversation between Houston and the Eagles in a quarterback deal? We'll discuss both of those things and much more with our first guest. He's ready to rock and roll and jump aboard with us from the athletic outstanding Eagles beat reporter. Zach Berman's going to join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Camp Week here on Birds 365 with McMullen and McDonald. As John likes to say, the circus has come to town. And our first guest looks like he's ready for the circus, ready to get his season underway. Our buddy Zach Berman from The Athletic joins us. Zach, you look primed and ready to go, and you got your all-juice sweatshirt on. Give us the uh, read on why all-juice today. Sure. Uh, this is uh, Therese Power, the uh, late football writer, passed away earlier this year unexpectedly, and it's in honor of him. He uh, There's a scholarship foundation at his alma mater, Howard University, proceeds from these sweatshirts. Uh, and 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 similar T-shirts go to that scholarship foundation. Uh, I, I really respect what uh, Therese stood for and and uh, cared about. And, and uh, certainly with football season around the corner, training camp beginning this week, it's definitely a cause I can get behind. Yeah, great call, Zach. Uh, and uh, we do have to get into the Eagles. Training camp is obviously uh, almost here. Wednesday we'll get some grass time, and I'm looking forward to seeing you down there. I got to tell you, and obviously you're a father, uh, and we know that early on, and and the world we live in. Anybody have a better night's sleep last night in the Philadelphia area than Jonathan Gannon? Eagles finally get a cornerback too. Uh, that's that that will certainly help him, right? Because that secondary that was that was a major question going into camp, right? We we have competitions that we were looking at, but. In terms of the biggest hole on the roster, you were looking at the second cornerback. So getting Steven Nelson certainly addresses that. And the rest of the secondary seems to fall into place a little a little bit better now that you have him. To answer your question succinctly, uh, perhaps Howie Roseman, although Howie Roseman has some <laughs> Howie Roseman has some other things that he's working on as well. So yeah. uh, I I I think Jonathan Gannon is a, is a good one to go with right now. Zach, uh, take Steven Nelson, the defenses that he's played in Kansas City's last two years in Pittsburgh, the type of corner he had, his strengths. Does it fit what Gannon wants to do? Again, we're at somewhat of a loss because we haven't seen a Gannon defense yet. As a defensive coordinator, we can judge, again, other things that he's done at his position, other staffs. Uh, we know what kind of a talent Steven Nelson is, but does his skill set fit with what the Eagles are going to want to do on defense at the corner position this year. I think you said it well that we're still trying to see what Jonathan Gannon's scheme will look like. We can look at Mike Zimmer in Minnesota for clues, but a lot of it will be, will be based on the personnel. I think getting Steven Nelson will help you there. Is he's a true outside cornerback, right? This is he, he can play the inside. I know they're going to advertise it as his versatility. When you get Steven Nelson, you can put him on the outside opposite Darius Slay. And you have two guys who can play on the perimeter. And that was a question. You didn't know if Avante Maddox could do that. So Steven Nelson, from a, a fit standpoint, makes sense there. In terms of the scheme, uh, he he is versatile enough. He has played in different schemes. He can play man. He can play zone. He, he had a really productive year in 2019. The production waned last year. But if you're looking at a number two cornerback, which is essentially what the Eagles needed, uh, and you look at what's available on the market, I don't think they could have done much better, right? You know, there there, there aren't many <laughs> players out there unless they went to the trademark and they gave up an asset like they did in 2017. I don't think they could have done better addressing that spot at this time of year than getting Steven Nelson. Now, they also kept their flexibility, Zach. You mentioned mm -hmm. Howie Roseman. They've done this pretty consistently sure. in the offseason. They were up against it from a salary cap standpoint, so – 
Steven Nelson is another one of those guys like Anthony Harris and Eric Wilson and Ryan Kerrigan. One year prove it deal. It doesn't preclude you from going a different direction, whether it's this year with a younger player or next year with a draft choice or when you have a little bit more money and ability to do different things. How do you kind of weigh this, though? We're a team. We always talk about the Eagles, and it seems since 2018, really. So the season after the Super Bowl, the season ends. It's been kind of a theme. Uh, Howie says we got to get younger. We got to get more cost effective. We got to start turning this over. And then as we get deeper, closer to camp, they start thinking, eh, bad division. Maybe we can do some things. Let's get some veteran players in there. Or do you think that's just the NFL? You you need you need veteran players. You need a good mix. I don't think they were ever. I don't think they were ever going to tank this season. Right? That if if that conception was if that thought was out there, it was a misconception. I I, I think what they wanted, like you said, was 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 flexibility in terms of contracts, in terms of finances, and this is similar to what they did in the 2017 offseason. I I specifically remember. There was criticism that you well you signed Alshon Jeffrey to a, a one year deal. You signed Patrick Robinson to a one year deal. Tim Jernigan's on an expiring contract. Uh, Legarrette Blunt was a one year deal. Uh, what's your long term plan here? And a big thing they said was they wanted that type of flexibility, and that there were guys that they could resign if they played well on those one year deals. And that's what they did in the case of Jeffrey and the case of Jernigan. I don't think the Eagles were doing these moves necessarily to build a Super Bowl roster. But they're not trying to bottom out. And I, I think they what they want to do is they want to try to be competitive during a transition period. And they, they didn't want to just run it back with that same core, basically saying that, well, if we add here, we add there, we're going to win with that core. I, I think they saw the window closing on the group that they had. And they're transitioning with more picks, with more cap space. But during that transition period, they're obviously going to want to be competitive. And and getting players on one-year deals allows them to do it, gives them that type of flexibility. So I, I understand what they've done this offseason, and, and frankly, I think it's a good strategy. I, I, I don't think the NFL is the NBA where you are trying to bottom out, number one. And number two, I don't know if there's that if, – if this was a year where Trevor Lawrence was available or Andrew Luck was available – Maybe that conversation is different, but it's it's not like you're going all in to get the number one pick next year. Which what you want is assets. They have assets, and in the meantime, they're going to try to be competitive with the group they have. Zach, one more cornerback question for me. Uh, we were coming up with our own Eagles depth chart that Avante Maddox was probably going to be the other starting outside cornerback had they not signed Stephen Nelson. Um, now that's not the case. Is it as simple as Avante Maddox moves inside and is the full-time slot corner, and that takes up about, what, 75 to 80% of plays in the NFL now that three wide receivers yeah. are on the field? So uh, it might not be an every-down position, but it's damn close to it. Or is he the backup guy for both Slay and Nelson outside? You always want a guy to be ready in case there's injuries. Can you just easily transition out from the slot to back outside? Or is there someone else they like? as the other potential slot guy so they don't have to use Maddox and just have him readily available to go outside. How does the signing affect the depth chart and how the Eagles are going to use their corners in your estimation? Sure. I I think they were forcing Avante Maddox 
on the outside last year. I, I don't think that's his best position. I, I think he was frank. I think his best position is safety, which he, he played as a rookie, which they're not playing him at. Uh, but as a slot cornerback, he, he certainly makes sense there. And, and inside that building, they, they really like Avante Maddox. Uh, or I, I, at least I, I know the, the former staff did. I'm still getting to know this staff here. But Avante Maddox has a lot of qualities uh, that, that, that they can get behind. So uh, I, I think as a slot, makes a lot of sense, fits in there, has the, I, has the skill set where in a pinch they can put him on the outside. But I think what the Steven Nelson signing allows them to do is develop Zach McPherson at his own pace, right? If Michael Jaquette has a good summer, develop him at his, at his own pace. You don't have to force those guys in the starting situations. Um, so I, I, I do think Maddox moves to the slot, but I, I, I don't think he's the top backup on the outside. Again, we'll see on Wednesday when we're out there how they look in, in terms of personnel. But my guess is Nelson on the outside, Maddox in the slot, and then McPherson or Jaquette is the top backup on the outside. All right, Jack, I want to take you to Houston because it will not end. And obviously we're talking about Deshaun Watson. We're talking about the fact that he has not been placed on the NFL commissioner's exempt list. And I think a lot of people assumed that was going to be the end game in the short term. Everybody could take a step back and breathe a little bit. Look, the NFL is not shouting it from the top of the building, but that, that is a clear indication that Roger Goodell at this point believes there's not enough to put him on ice. Does that speed up the process where teams have to get in line? So two questions for you. One, will the Eagles get in line? Will Jeffrey Lurie approve this type of move? And two, will they do it quickly? Will they say, we got to do it? We got to drop everything. We got to figure this out. We got to go after a top five quarterback at 25 years old. Yeah, so the the variable that I, I really can't kind of account for now or speculate on is is what will happen legally, right, and if there will be ramifications from the league. And I, I think that's something that obviously, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Dolphins, whether it's the Broncos, those teams internally need to figure out. Um, my guess is, is, is that there would need to be some type of clarity on that situation before a team makes the move, but – if Deshaun Watson is able to play, one would think it's it's because there is some type of clarity there, either legally, well, I would say legally and with the league. And if he's able to play, then absolutely the Eagles would be a team that, that you know, when you look at, like you said, a 25, 26-year-old franchise quarterback, he's played at that level before. He's, he's, he's the type of player you, from a football perspective, that you would surrender assets to acquire uh, because he changes your organization when he's in there. Um, so if he is, if it's a situation where a team feels comfortable trading for him, I think the Eagles would be at the front of the line. But I, I frankly can't account for uh, what will happen legally or what will happen from the league. I, I, I agree with, with your assessment there that the fact that he's not on the commissioner's exemplist now uh, does say something, but for a team to, to, to take that next step and to give up what it will, it will take to acquire him, um, you need to be comfortable that he's going to be on the field. All right, I'm going to give you a uh, hypothetical, love hypotheticals, and a little read the tea leaves thing here. He wasn't put on the commissioner's exempt list when he had the chance to report. That can be read into, and or the Eagles can 
directly contact the league and say, listen, we're contemplating trading this guy. We'd like some information on what you found and or what you're thinking. Because if we trade for him, we don't want to trade for him. And the day after you come out and go, oh, by the way, he's on the commissioner's exemplars. He's not playing. So they can probably get a pretty good grasp on his status with the league going into the year. You can certainly inquire with the police department down in Houston. Their actions say they haven't found enough to have a prosecution. You can either read into that and or get more information. If they were to trade for him tomorrow, later this week, next week, at some point, the cases are going to be settled in court and they're not even going to begin till 2022. What would it be like here if he was traded here and immediately goes in as the Eagles starting quarterback with the 22 lawsuits sitting over his head? He becomes Philadelphia's issue, if you want to say, say it this way, Philadelphia's problem. How would that play here in Philadelphia with him as the new quarterback of the Eagles? Well, that's what I'm saying is, is that I don't think a move would be made un until there's some type of clarity with his situation. Now, I, I know you said 2022 there. The, the, I, I, I can't tell you what that timeline is going to be, but I, I, I don't think, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong, I, I don't think the Eagles would make a move in that situation unless there's clarity in terms of his status, well, in terms of what's I coming. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Zach, but there can't yeah. be clarity on the lawsuits. The only way there's clarity on the lawsuits is if Deshaun settles them. And he is already on record as saying, <laughs> I'm not settling yeah. anything. I'm telling you I'm not guilty. So the yeah. first lawsuit will not hit the courts till 2022. So the chance of having clarity, if that's mm -hmm. what you need, that kind of level of clarity is not happening. So that means Deshaun Watson isn't going to be traded here and or anywhere else. Well, so that's why that's why there was such ambiguity about his playing status going into training camp, right? So if, if things are status quo, uh, if 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 there is that that wait and see period, I would have a hard time seeing a team surrendering what it will take to acquire him just because of the potential being there. Now, again, I I heard you talking about this before I came on teams are very good at internal investigations, right? Like, like they'll know they will do their, their background work. They will know whether or not this is going in a certain direction. And I, I, I think that as, so to answer the question you asked in terms of how this will go over in Philadelphia, I suppose that's up to each fan. Um, that's, that's up to, to how much they, they uh, factor in or care about, the off the field component compared to the on the field component from a football perspective, fans can, would it would make sense to get behind it in the sense that it, there are few players in the world who can play quarterback as well as Deshaun Watson. If you're talking about like taking a wait and see look at Jalen Hurts, the best case scenario for Jalen Hurts is like getting close to what Deshaun Watson is. Uh, so it would make sense from a football perspective to get behind the move. But as far as the off the field, that's up to everyone's, uh, I guess, personal value system there. Sure. All right, Zach, let's steer it back to some certainty that we have in Philadelphia. A little bit of a commonality because of, of what's going on as far as reporting to camp, and that's Zach Ertz. And I say commonality with Deshaun Watson because Deshaun is there because he doesn't want $50,000 in fines. And mm -hmm. every day, and you can no longer, under the new CBA, forgive those fines. Yep. So for the same reason, Zach Ertz is showing up in Philadelphia. 
I don't think that's news. If he was going to be on the roster, he was going to show up because he's not going to take those fines. Does it mean he's going to be there for week one? Or do you still think Zach Ertz ultimately will be traded, will be moved, will be released, something? Is Howie playing the game of chicken, sort of what he did back in Sam Bradford? They got lucky with the Teddy Bridgewater injury. Is that what he's doing? My guess is yes. Right, because I I still don't think Zach Ertz is going to be on the roster this year. Now, I I, I I've said this the past few weeks. I'm staying out of the Zach Ertz prediction business because <laughs> if if we spoke in January, yeah. I would have said this is going to be cleared up by free agency. And if we spoke in March, I would have said by the draft. And if we spoke after the draft, I would have said by June first. Right. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm staying out of like this is what's going to happen with Ertz. But uh, if I had to guess what Howie Roseman's doing, it's, 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 it's what John said, right? That, that the market adjusts based on variables in the market, based on conditions in the market. So if a, if a team loses a tight end or if a team gets the training camp and they don't like their tight end depth chart, or if a team gets the training camp and they really like the way their offense is looking and they think they need one more piece, then that changes the price. Sam Bradford's price was different after Teddy Bridgewater went down. Um, and it, it, it goes down to supply and demand. If, 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 if you need a tight end this summer, you're not going to find a better tight end than Zach Ertz, right? Uh, and, and, and so I, I do think that if, if the Eagles want to get value for him, their best chance of, of getting more value is something happening elsewhere. Now, that might not happen where there might not be a tight end who goes down. There might not be a depth chart that needs a tight end. And then the Eagles are going to have a, a, a decision to make. Do you release him? Do you let him go? Do you take whatever you can get for him, or do you bring him onto the roster? I don't think he's going to be on the 53. Uh, it, w- it, it would surprise me. It somewhat surprises me that he's here right now. Uh, so I, I guess you never say never. But my guess is still Zach Ertz plays elsewhere next year. Zach, real quick follow-up. Sorry, Jody. Let, let me just throw this. Because Nick Sirianni, you know, the one foundational pillar, I think, of his coaching uh, uh ethos so far has been competition um and he constantly talks about competition does having zach here complicate matters for nick sirianni because he wants to use more 11 personnel he wants Mm -hmm. more speed on the field he wants more receivers and if zach Ertz is here and something doesn't happen and you have to carry him for his final year of his contract how does nick sirianni go to his locker room and say Zach Ertz isn't better than Travis Fulgham or Greg Ward or whomever the number three receiver is going to be. Does it make things tougher for a rookie head coach who wants to do certain things? It's a great point. And that's, that's part of the, the, the fascinating component of it is that we can look at it from a team building perspective, from getting value for the player. And that is the way Howie Roseman needs to look at it. Uh, Nick Sirianni needs to look at it differently. He's putting an offense together. He's building a locker room culture. There's there are human dynamics. Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz is 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 not a player you signed off the street. Zach Ertz is one of the best players in franchise history. The the way you treat him, the way that exit would happen, that matters, right? That that's seen in the locker room. That's seen elsewhere in the league. So there are human dynamics at play here. And so to answer your question. It's certainly if, if, if you're trying to play more 11 and you have Zach Ertz, that affects you. If you're trying to, to showcase 
Dallas Goddard. If you're trying to make Dallas Goddard feel valued, if, if, if you're trying to work out a long-term deal with Dallas Goddard, having Zach Ertz in that building, that, if that, that complicates things, right? There are human dynamics at play here that go beyond the team building process. And that's something that the Eagles are going to need to account for. And that, frankly, when a player comes to camp under these conditions, that's, that's one of the things that, that could force a team's hand is, is what are those dynamics like? But let me just add this to the conversation. One of the other tenants, maybe not as high as competition, but one of the other tenants that the coaches talked about is that he is going to design his system and his play calling around the talent that they have. He's not going to try and put a square peg in a round hole, that he is going to uh, come up with ways to use his talents to the best of their abilities. So if he's got to go more 12, he's got to go more 12. And he should be able to deal with that because he said he could. He's going to let his talent in part dictate him as far as scheme and play calling goes. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, But let me take you in a different Sirianni direction. Perception is important here in year number one. At some point, he's going to become, and I hope he's here for 10 years, the ongoing coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And we won't worry about how the players perceive him. It's a big deal now because it's his first camp. There was a little, (laughs) as John's favorite word, he likes to use Kirk Buffle, last week about um, Charles Robinson coming out and saying, hey, there are some guys that don't know if he's going to be able to coach in that Eagles locker room. Lane Johnson felt the need to come to his defense. Uh, Kelsey did as well. He's got some good veteran guys standing up and going, hey, we're enjoying playing for Nick Sirianni. It's a balancing act. How big is Nick Sirianni's perception in the locker room with his players? How much does he have to work these next several weeks with the starting camp just to win over players, in your estimation? Sure, a few things there. First off, as, as far as Nick Sirianni's personality, and and you know, I've I've done a, a lot of reporting on this, a lot of work on this. Like what what Nick Sirianni, how he comes across publicly, that is genuine from from everything that I've been told. Every I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this, like that enthusiasm, that earnestness, that's, that's who Nick is. And some people find it endearing. I, I, I know it, it doesn't always sound like the prototypical NFL head coach, but like that's, that's who Nick is, right? Uh, as, as far as winning over the, the, the locker room, I, I, I know there are reports out there. I frankly don't think the Eagles were in town enough this offseason for players to really formulate a strong opinion one way or the other. I can't speak for every player, but uh, players that I've been around in, in, in 10 years covering this team, really when they look at coaches, they care about two things more than all else. Okay. A, can we win with him? B, can this person advance my career? In other words, like, is he going to make me better? Am I going to make more money? Am I going to advance my career? They'll know pretty quickly if they can win with him <clears throat> and if, and if he can make them better. Uh, and all the other stuff is just noise, right? Um, so I, I, I don't think like the lack of play calling experience, I, I, the, the, the idea that he's like connected to Frank Reich, if they think that he can make them better and if they think they can win with this guy as head coach, they're going to get behind him. And if, and if they don't, then he's going to have a hard time getting them together. So it, it really comes down to those two factors and it will play itself out over the next few months, but I would be surprised if anyone's been around um, because they only had two weeks in person, right? And even those two weeks, it was a very truncated period. 
I would be surprised if, if they've really gotten the chance to get to know them well enough to, to formulate that opinion. But everything I learned about Nick Sirianni is that uh, a big emphasis of his is forming <laughs> connections with these players. And he is going to go, I, I can say this, he is going to go out of his way to make sure that he has connections in that locker room. All right, Zach, last one from me before I get to it. I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to theathletic.com, especially with training camp on the horizon. Nobody uh, does a better job covering this team than Zach Berman. Uh, Bo Wolf, friend of the show, Shiel Kapadia, not, not only from a national perspective, but also a lot of Eagles coverage in there. So subscribe to theathletic.com. It's well worth it. You know, I saw your 25 thoughts on on the defense, special teams, and, and, and coaching. One of the things I'm interested in, I brought up competitions, Zach. It's nitpicking. But why is Aaron Seapas by himself on this roster mm-hmm. as the punter? Why is there no competition? Now, other, they'll be yeah. looking at punters outside, yeah. but we understand. You know, Cam Johnson was here with Donnie Jones. They've had punting competitions before. Sure. Why not now? Yeah, good question. And I'm going to go back to something that our old friend Dave Fifth used to tell us, right? That um, the specialists are competing with the rest of the league. Um, that the competition, it's not internally, it's externally. And they know this, that like that's a position where if you need to make a change, you can make a change quickly. The guy doesn't need to learn scheme. Now, uh, perhaps there are there's there's chemistry in terms of the holding. There's There's chemistry with the long snapper. But by and large, you can swap out a punter if he's struggling. You can swap out a kicker if he's struggling, uh, contract situation aside. Uh, but the competition is not internally, it's externally. I, 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 that, that's what Dave Fipp used to say, and I think that's what the organization thinks, is, is, is that are you going to burn one of your 90 roster spots on an extra punter for the sake of competition? Now, there have been times in the past where they've wanted the extra leg for the purpose of, of – taking it easy on the veterans. Um, I, I, I know that's been the case, but as, as far as competition, they look at it, the, the competition's external. They're going to have tape on every other punter out there this preseason. Uh, and if they want to make a change, they'll be able to make a change. Zach, I'm going to, again, make you put on your guessing game hat, which mm-hmm. I know you don't like to do because we all get things wrong. I'm real good at getting stuff wrong. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'll get one right, though. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to make an evaluative guess on this. Uh, co- uh, comparison between two Eagle draft picks from last year, Davion and Kayvon. Uh, second round, uh, third round, fourth round, both played minimally last year for the Eagles. Both should get more of a chance this year. But again, new coaching staff, complete clean slate, slate, wipe it clean and just evaluate what they can do for the team this year. Who do you think has the bigger impact? Davion Taylor at linebacker or Kayvon Wallace at safety? Well, as, as far as the linebacker depth chart, there would seem to be more of an opening there for Davion Taylor. Um, that said, Davion Taylor, when they drafted him, they viewed him as a project. And he hasn't had an offseason yet with the, he hasn't had a full offseason with the team. Uh, he, he'll, he'll, he has the speed. The best case scenario for him this season is develop into a nickel linebacker, perhaps contribute on special teams. In Kayvon Wallace's case, uh, if, if Roddy McLeod is not ready for week one, there could be an opening there at safety. And Kayvon Wallace, from a football perspective, is more advanced than Davion Taylor. Kayvon Wallace was a, 
a long-term starter at Clemson, played in big games there, uh, did, did not have much of an impact as a rookie. But I, I, I think if you need to have someone out there in a pinch, you'd feel more comfortable having Kayvon Wallace on the field than Davion Taylor. Neither one goes into camp as a starter, but I would think Kayvon Wallace would have more of an impact just based on where he is as a football player. But Davion Taylor's speed at linebacker cannot be discounted. All right, Zach, last thing. Do me a favor. When you give McMullen a bro hug tomorrow, be careful. He's got a bad shoulder. He's, go- he's yeah, giving me this shoulder. ball start before. So so don't hit him too hard to get the season underway. I kind of need are, are, are we allowed to do that? Is no, social distancing. Yeah, Come yeah on, I, I, I think it's just fist bump and, and best. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Fist bumps to stay six feet away, right? I don't even know if he can handle the fist bumps. He's whining <laughs> so much about his shoulder. So please be careful with him tomorrow. Uh, brother, thanks for coming on with us today. Again, appreciate your sweatshirt. If anyone wants to uh, just uh, go by the name of the sweatshirt on the internet. Uh, great charity as well. Uh, thank you very much for coming on with us today. And you know we'll be tapping into you for your expertise plenty during the year. Anytime. Appreciate you having me. Zach Thanks, Berman, Jack. Mr. All Juice here with us on Birds 365. <clears throat> All right, McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. Uh, we're hoping to get a guest up, hour number two. We'll give you details on that. Not 100% locked in. And yours truly has to exit stage left a little bit early today. You're going to exit stage left a little bit later this week when you're down at Eagles Camp. So you got to follow along here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Mega Mac guys. Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, it's almost here. Tomorrow, the Eagles will report to camp. Wednesday, they will get on the field. John McMullen will get official grass time, injured as he may be. He will suck it up and get the job done from down at Eagles camp. And yes, the two stories we've been talking about today and knew that they were going to dominate before we ever got the show underway was the Eagles signing of Steven Nelson yesterday. Reports are one year, $4 million deal. Don't kid yourself. It's kind of a one-year, $4 million deal. His base salary is not going to be $4 million. There'll be voidable years on the back end. It'll be spread out over however many years there's are. We still need some details on the contract to completely grasp what it means. But he's going to get the opportunity, if not be handed, at least $4 million signing bonus and his base salary. And it was much needed. The Eagles needed an upgraded cornerback. Any other story was Deshaun Watson reported to Texans camp, no league intervention, no commissioner's list. It ratchets up the conversation and probably the actual conversations between the Texans and other teams. John, let's start where we started at the start of the show. Uh, Stephen Nelson first, then we'll branch out. I got a specific point I want to tell you about with Deshaun Watson. Uh, Nelson, much needed. Back and forth, you and I have been talking about him since we started Birds 365 back in April. Eagles need an upgraded quarterback. Nelson was just released by the Steelers. Are they going to jump in on him right away? And it wait, and we waited, and we waited, and they finally got him done at what seems to be a reasonable number. Uh, kudos to Darius Slay, who tried to recruit him via social media. Don't know how much that actually played in. I'm guessing dollars and cents were the bigger driving force. But as I asked Zach, let me ask you too, how does he fit into Jonathan Gannon's system if we know enough about Jonathan Gannon's system for uh, this upcoming year? Well, I think it gives him more options. Uh, I, I think the thought process, and real quick before I get into that, Jody, because he and Rappaport's got a little bit more information on Steven's contract. So he's saying it's it's a $2.5 million base salary with up to 4.125 with incentives. Now, again, we still have to see the contract. Hopefully I'll get it sometime this week where I, I, I'm going to almost guarantee there's voidable years. So we'll see how it that shakes out as far as the salary cap goes. Um, but as far as the, the football part of it, which is more important, obviously, um, if you look, and we all, and Zach just brought it up, if you look at what Mike Zimmer does, um, it's a lot more varied. It's a lot more multiple than perhaps what Jim Schwartz did. I I think 
you know, if you came into this season with Zach McPherson and or Avante Maddox or Mike Jaquette playing outside, we all assumed that I think correctly, you were going to see a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, a lot of zone coverage to protect those cornerbacks. I think Steven Nelson will give you more of an opportunity to do more varied multiple things. And and maybe you don't have to play as much as cover two and cover three. You don't have to protect him as much as you would a Jaquette or, or, or a young player like McPherson. They're both young players, even Avante, because of his size and his lack of length, uh, even though he is a little bit more experienced. So I just think it gives him more options. And, and then the second part, he's a better player. He's a better player than those guys. So, you know, I also don't want to go overboard. It's July 25th, Jody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When this guy signed, if he were a great player, he wouldn't be on the market on July 25th. So uh, I, I don't want people to overextend themselves and say, oh, we're, we're really set. We're really set. Now, you, you probably got an average corner, but an average corner was a heck of a lot better than what you had on Saturday. Uh, so you, what you always try to do is improve, and they've improved at that position. No question about it. For those who uh, took to heart what you just said about, yeah, there's a reason why he's still sitting out here into the Alliance going to sign tomorrow when he shows up or today when he shows up to Eagle camp. How much of the fact that he wasn't in the immediate mix of free agency, that the uh, Steelers didn't release him till into March when free agency had already kicked in and there were some other corners that may have already grabbed deals around the National Football League. That's certainly what his agent is going to say. The timing didn't help us because the Steelers, we weren't a free agent. We had to become a free agent because the Steelers released us. How much do you think that played into 
why he was on the market as long as he was. Uh, I mean, timing's always a little bit, but he was really early in the process. I I, I don't know the exact date he was released, uh, but I, I, I do think it was very early in the process. So it wasn't like teams didn't have the opportunity to say, okay, we got a chance to get a really good player. And again, I'm not I'm I'm not saying Stevens just one of those guys who's you know he played pretty well at times. Uh, it's a little disappointing, as you mentioned, the Steelers didn't think he was worth. Remember, he signed a three-year, I think, twenty-five million dollar deal. So at one point they thought this is a pretty good corner, and then they decided, okay, this is too much to put pay for this corner, and he got essentially for probably going to make a little over four million dollars from the Eagles. Good player, uh, a competent player, uh, much better than what you had. But but no, you're not talking about Jalen Ramsey or 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 Stephon Gilmore or or you know something that his Twitter handle of, of Nelson Island would project and bring up the glory days of Darrell Rivas. No, you're not getting that. But you're getting a competent player, and that's a big improvement for the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. Agree with that. Uh, so Stephen Nelson been a big topic of conversation, as has Deshaun Watson. Um, the league made a big statement by taking no action. Usually deadlines for action. In this case, it was a non-action that we can read a lot into. He apparently appeared at the training camp of the Texans, signed in, did whatever they asked him to do in day number one. They're not going to come back till practice till Wednesday. Probably had to do with getting a COVID test done with. I don't know his vaccination status, but we do know he showed up at the Texans camp. And we do know that the NFL took no action. A lot of speculation that he could be put on the commissioner's exempt list, which would mean he wouldn't have to show, but he would continue to get paid. Texans probably be okay with that because they're still trying to figure out what is the best course of action. Keep him, repair the relationship, just say, no, better off to move on and restart the organization with a trade, a lot of factors playing in here, John. But the fact that the NFL took no action against Deshaun Watson tells you plenty. And yes, I think it's restarts. If they had uh, died down, I think it restarts the conversation with the Texans and several teams across the National Football League, including the Philadelphia Eagles and maybe at the top of the list, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and you can see how things are speeding up. We're doing this show, and our buddy Chris Mortensen is out there a, a little, uh, uh, you know, maybe 40 minutes ago. Uh, he had put out there the Texas price as going to be some combination of five high draft picks and starting caliber players per two league executives. And knowing Chris, he probably got that from who are the teams? He probably got it from Howie Roseman or Scott Fitterer or George Payton or somebody of that nature. So that's what the Texans are looking to good, good get for Deshaun Watson, which, oh, by the way, is a heck of a lot. But, uh, again, when does 25-year-old quarterbacks who are top five in the world uh, on the open market? Not very often. So you can talk about the Sam Howells of the world. You can talk about – the number one overall pick. You can even talk about Trevor Lawrence, who's supposed to be the cleanest prospect since Andrew Luck or maybe even Peyton Manning. Uh, I mean, you you have solved 
your problem from a football perspective. Unfortunately, there's some other issues you got to deal with, though, as we mentioned, Jody. But things are moving quickly. Things are moving quickly because the Texans know they got to move them, and they don't have a chance to breathe anymore. He's not getting put on ice. So somebody's got to step up. Is somebody going to step up? Is that going to be the Philadelphia Eagles? But as I said with Zach Berman when we had him on, and Zach's stance was, and it was an understandable one. I, If I'm going to make that kind of an offer that you just quoted that uh, Chris Mortensen put out there, here's what the asking price is probably going to be. For uh, the Eagles or anyone else have that conversation with the Texans and get into that neighborhood, at least as per Zach, he would need more clarity on the situation. Well, you can't get perfect clarity. Could there be further information coming out of the league as how far, how they see it as of right now? Is there still the possibility of him ending up on the commissioner's uh, exempt list? Don't know what's going to change in the near future. So the fact that he's not on it now probably speaks pretty loudly that they're not going to put him on the list. Is there going to be a change in the way the police are handling the investigation down in Houston? Again, Probably not. It's been months. You believe the Houston Department of Police is competent, and if they had the ability to press charges, they would have brought charges by now. They haven't. I think you can read a lot into that. The one thing you're not going to be able to read into is the lawsuits themselves, the 22 civil claims against Deshaun Watson. Depositions don't start in those cases till February of 2022. So it's not going to be settled. If you believe Deshaun Watson, and yes, you'll be allowed to talk to his attorney if you're um, making an offer for him to the Texans. I don't think the Texans are going to say, no, you can't talk to Deshaun's uh, lawyer. Of course you're going to be able to. Uh, They continue to say to the media, there is no settlement to be had here. We are claiming Deshaun's innocence. We are going to go to court. We are going to see this through. So working under that assumption right now, Can you acquire Deshaun Watson, expect him to play football for you this year, knowing the fact that these lawsuits are over his head the entire season and for the future thereafter and a potential NFL action, depending on how those suits go? Uh, How difficult is that for any team, Eagles included? Um, I don't think it's that difficult, Jody. I, I think that I think what people don't realize is the civil part of this is not nearly as important as the criminal part of this. And that, look, you're right. The civil stuff is not going to be fixed for a while unless something drastic happens and Tony Busby gives up or or Deshaun Watson starts handing out money tomorrow. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. However, that's not going to affect him from a playing standpoint in that he's not going to be shelved for a lengthy period of time. He's not going to prison uh, if there's no criminal charges. There's nothing you can do from a civil standpoint. So you understand, and I think it was Randy Mueller we had on the show who brought up, you understand there's going to be some kind of suspension. Um, if it's six games, if you get the nod behind the scenes, We're thinking about four games, six games, eight games, whatever. That's certainty. That's certainty. I think everybody knows he's going to be suspended for a certain amount of time. And most teams will be willing to take that hit. 
if you're interested in Deshaun Watson and you can't play for six games, you go, all right, we'll cobble together. We'll get through it. Then we have a top five quarterback, hopefully moving forward for however many years. I think that's how teams will look at it. I think they know there's a suspension baked in. If that suspension is short term, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but I don't think the civil part of it is nearly as important as people think it is. I really don't. Um, it's going to be a he said, she said situation. It's going to be ugly from a PR standpoint. You got to be willing to take those hits. But it's not nearly as important as the criminal part of it. And and look, until they close it, as I said, until they officially say we're done with this investigation, you can't say 100%. But, man, it looks like there's going to be no criminal charges. See, now, here's where it gets intriguing, the way you laid it out, John. You're saying that it's highly likely there's going to be a suspension involved here with Deshaun Watson. What's going to change between yesterday and when the suspension is going to be handed out? I, I'd like to know that because as probably the closing, probably the closing of, of an actual criminal investigation. Probably that will be the linchpin of saying, okay, that, that's it. That part of it's over. Um, my thought process there was Ezekiel Elliott type suspension, which I believe was six games. Um, he was never charged, but they suspended him anyway. A lot of people had a problem with that. A lot of people didn't. Both sides, shockingly, polarized society. Um, ultimately, I think that's the template for me. But this league has lacked consistency. What what I do know is they'll give information to teams behind the scenes. Guys have made that pretty clear to me. Uh, they'll keep teams abreast. It's not like they're going to keep teams in the dark and say, oh, we, don't, we might suspend them for six years if you, you trade for them. No, the NFL is going to say, yeah, it's going to be six games and blah, 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 something like that. Wink, wink. And then they'll say, okay, do we want to take the PR hit? To me, the bigger question is Jeffrey Lurie. It's always been Jeffrey Lurie. Is he going to okay this team? Everybody, your guy, Peter King, is on board now. We we know Adam Schefter's on board. Uh, uh, we we, we Albert Breer uh, is on board. Everybody in this league thinks the Eagles are going after this, this guy. Now, the only thing that's changed from that and now is it's got to get sped up. It's got to get sped up. I, I And I'm writing about this in Philly, boys. This is no longer crazy. On September 12th, Deshaun Watson might be here. Zach Ertz might not be here. It's no longer crazy to say that. Now, the Ertz part has never been crazy. That's how quickly things move in this league. They do, and uh, a lot of times you don't have control. You would love to have control. Like Zach Berman, it was just, I would say, need more clarity there's a real good chance that some team is going to act and trade for Deshaun Watson without clarity. Will that affect the price? I think that the report that you just read from Chris Mortensen, five high draft picks plus well, players remember, remember, involved. That's the starting point. That's what the Texans want. They're probably not going to get that. You know how it works. Again, as the son of a general manager, yes, for what you want. And then you start to come back to the pack. And to me, it's going to be interesting about the players. I've, I've already seen the Denver report. You know, if you throw Jerry Judy into the conversation, you know, what can the Eagles do from a player perspective? We've constantly talked about 
under 25 players. The Eagles don't have a lot of under 25. You could say Fletcher Cox, he makes too much money. You could say players like that. The Texans are going to want young players on the upswing if they're smart. And Bill O'Brien, remembers no longer the GM. So Nick Cesario is. So they're probably going to be a little bit smarter. Um, you know, what young players do you have to match what a Miami, a Denver, or maybe even Carolina can offer or somebody else There's probably going to be the Ken Rosenthal trademark mystery team as well. Some point at some point it's going to jump up into the equation. Now, if the Eagles are going to be aggressive and they want to uh, secure the uh, skills and the ability to have Deshaun Watson be their quarterback going forward, how stealth can they be about this? You got the John McMullins, the Zach Bermans, the Adam Shafters, the Chris Mortons, everybody in the world trying to find out Deshaun information. And if you're the Eagles and if you're the Texans, you probably want to keep this as under wraps as possible. Is it possible? Can they keep it under wraps? Can conversations be had? Can names be exchanged without people like you and me doing rampant speculation on what's actually going on in conversations about Deshaun Watson? Probably not because there's agents and agents are going to get involved and they're going to leak information and leak names. It's not necessarily going to come from the teams, from the executives. They leak out what they want out there and everybody's going to show up and say, no, Jalen Hurts is our guy. We have no interest, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you might wake up late, early in September. Who knows? And you might say, oh, here he is. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen because – the part I've been pretty consistent about, well, you know, Howard Eskin is throwing out 90%. No, I don't know if the Eagles can match. If you're only looking at draft picks, yes, the Eagles are in the lead. But it's not only about draft picks. And the second part of that equation, they're not in the lead. And other teams can offer far more as far as young ascending players. And it should be very interesting to see how the Texans play it. I don't know if the Texans were hoping for Deshaun Watson top on the commissioner's exempt list. Oh, they were hoping. Yeah, they were hoping. Even though they're paying him to do nothing. Yeah, they, they, I mean, it gives them a chance to breathe and understand from a perspective when you want to trade somebody, when do you want to trade them, Jody, in the NFL? You want to do it right around draft time, before the draft. That's when you have the most leverage to get the most back. And this is a bad time of year. Remember, if the Eagles do this, they're going to have to stand on their head to create room just to get Deshaun Watson in here. Right. But they're going to have to move Zach Ertz. They might have to do a few other things now. In theory, Trajan, who knows? Maybe they could send Fletcher Cox back. Whatever. They're going to have to do different things to even fit him in. But I think they're willing to do it. But from the Texans' standpoint, you would prefer to leverage this to where you have the most leverage, and that would be before the draft next year. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Uh, we're scheduled to talk to former NFL kicker. It should be uh, fun because John can ask uh, Jay Feely Jay about why the Eagles only have one punter in, in camp nah, this nah. year. He keeps no, I want question Jake Elliott question. Uh, Jake Jim. Elliott question coming too. Jay Feely, former NFL kicker turned uh, NFL analyst for CBS, is scheduled to join us. Now, 
I think uh, in a text I just got, Jay's a West Coast guy. So when I set up Jay to join us, I was quoting a 920 Eastern daylight time. time. Maybe Jay isn't Eastern. I didn't even think to ask Jay, well, what time zone are you coming from? So we're guessing that Jay's going to be good to go and is going to join us in the next upcoming minute. I may have screwed the pooch on this one and set up the wrong time zone, but we're going to try. We're going to hope to talk to former NFL kicker turned broadcaster Jay Feely, hopefully, crossing fingers, joining us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Plenty to sink our teeth into today. Stephen Nelson signing yesterday. 
Deshaun Watson becoming that much more available. Now that he's not on the commissioner's exempt list. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation we've had. We're going to continue the NFL conversation with a guy who's doing broadcast work these days after many years in the league as one of the best kickers. Jay Feely from CBS joins us here on Birds 365. Jay, first things first, my apologies. And I do this all the time. I, I do a national show, and I always have to factor in time zones when booking guests. I don't know why. Maybe because uh, you kicked a lot on the East Coast, and I always thought of you as an East Coast guy. I didn't even realize you're out in Arizona these days. So my apologies right for screwing up morning. the times. Right yeah. early. You got me up this morning. Normally, I only get up this early to uh, go on the golf course. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what we all try to do to get on the golf course. But I'm thrilled to have you, Jay, because I want to forgive me because I'm going to get into some kicker stuff with you because I'm always I'm always interested uh, the mentality, the sentiment of a kicker here in Philadelphia. We have a guy, Jake Elliott. I always say Jake is great. I don't know if you know Jake, but he's great at everything. I mean, anything that has a swing. He's a great golfer. Obviously, he's a great kicker. He's a great baseball, softball player. He's a great ping pong player. He does everything well. And then all of a sudden he has some hiccups with the and by the way, not the long kicks, not the 50 plus yarders, the 33 yarders, the extra points, the short kicks. What goes through a kicker's mind, a former Pro Bowl kicker, Jay Feely, when that you didn't hit the ball correctly and, and maybe you start getting into a bit of a slump? Well, first of all, kickers are the best all-around athletes in the football. <laughs> That's why Jake. There is. I'm, I'm half joking, but if you take, uh, you know, a ten-sport tournament, you know, where you you say, okay, you're gonna play ten different sports. You're gonna you play basketball, softball, baseball, golf. The kickers will do. If not win it, they're gonna be right up there. Uh, you know, on every team. It's it's interesting because I think a lot of fans don't know that. They don't know that most kickers play a lot of different sports and are pretty good at everything. Um, when, it, when it comes to the mentality of kicking, uh, it, it's, it's all about repetition. It's all about believing in yourself. It's all about having a specific routine that you're going to go through. J- Jake's an excellent kicker. He's one of the best in the league. Um, you know, when you have times where sometimes you miss, especially the shorter ones, sometimes it can be being too casual, being too um, confident and not going through your entire routine. If you miss those extra points, you miss those short ones. The extra points are a little different now because once they changed them, sometimes those kicks have more pressure than any other field goal outside of like a game winner because you're expected to be at 100%. And when you miss one of those, then that pressure continues to multiply. Uh, you know, and, and you've seen that have an impact on, on kickers around the league at times. Jay, let me ask you about kickers and relationships because I think there's a real interesting dynamic in the National Football League between kickers and quarterbacks because depending on what the quarterback does he either leaves the pressure on you or takes the pressure off you you either add to the pressure on him or take the pressure off him you're kind of working in loggerheads because his job is to get it all the way into the end zone and make your job easy to kick a PAT but if you have to settle for a field goal well yeah you're getting him three points when he didn't get the job done getting him into the end zone how are your relationships with quarterbacks? Were they always very good? Were they sometimes very testy? How did quarterbacks and kickers play off each other? You know, it, it depended on the guy, certainly. Uh, most of the quarterbacks were really good golfers as well. 
So you find that the kickers and the quarterbacks golfed a lot together and developed those relationships <laughs> together. Uh, so you always spend a lot of time together. And they're going to come up to you. If you're at the end of the game, they're coming to you and they're asking you what yard line you need to get to. You know, and they want to know that information. And so you have a good relationship there. Me, I, I always wanted them not to score so that I could kick a field goal, you know, unless it was a game-winning situation where we needed that touchdown. But men- mentally, you have to think that way. Like, you have to think, I want them to kick a field goal on this drive. I want to be able to have that kick because you don't ever want to be thinking negatively, no, I don't want them to score. I'm going to go t- score a touchdown here. I don't want to have to kick this kick. And then you get, you have to go out there and kick it, and you're not in the right mental frame of mind. So, you know, that's the approach you have to have every time. So you're not – I don't think you're ever, you know, down or upset if they don't score because you're already preparing yourself mentally to have to go out there and make that field goal. You know, and a similar, like, let's say they're at the 30-yard line. No, let's say the 20-yard line is going to be if they if they throw in it's third and eight, they throw an incomplete. You know, it's going to be a a 38-yard field goal. Well, I'm already in my mind telling myself they're going to get sacked here. It's going to move it back 10 yards. And it's going to be a 50-yard, 48, 50-yard field goal. So that if it happens, then I've already prepared myself mentally for that. You know, if we actually gain some yards and I still got a kick, well, great. It's an easier kick now. But those are the kind of mind games that you play with yourself. Speaking of mind games, I want to talk about the long snapper and the holder, Jay. Because uh, when you guys miss kicks, you get blamed. And, you know, it's it's a battery, so to speak, with those guys. The long snapper, the holder. I remember I was covering Blair Walsh, who people remember he was a pro bowl kicker as a rookie, and then he just kind of fell off the table. Yeah, He told me he lost his holder. He trusted his holder, and they went to a new guy, and it was just – it had that big of an impact. How much can shifting those guys have an effect on a kicker? Well, I was a guy that played on six different teams, you know, that had many different holders. We switched holders when I was at the Jets in the middle of the year because uh, our special teams coach got mad at the holder. He dropped the ball and uh, on a game-winning kick. And he's like, that's it. He's done. Go find somebody else. I don't care who it is. And so we literally switched uh, to a, a backup quarterback to that next game. Uh, it certainly can have an impact. They can certainly make you miss everything if they want. No fan would ever know it. You know, if you put the ball two inches forward to where, where the spot is, or you put it, you know, an inch or two right or left, that's going to have a major impact on that kick and nobody would ever know, um, you know, and, and, and it's your job as a kicker to number one, develop that relationship and help teach them, coach them to do it exactly the way you want and to be pretty specific about it and demanding. But two, you have to take all the blame for each, for each miss, you know, you can't come back blaming your snapper, your holder, at least publicly, you know, and, and, and I think you're a good special teams coach. You're looking at that and you're seeing, you know, if it's a bad snap and that snapper is giving them laces every time, they're making he's making both of those jobs so much harder. You know, and if you have a bad hold, you're making that kicker's job so much harder. Um, you know, so it certainly is a battery and they certainly all work together. Jay, I want to ask you about coaching. Like you mentioned, 14 years in a league, six different organizations. So you certainly change teams and coaches change teams uh, while you were there. How long does it take when a new coach comes in and he's setting up his new system and he's trying to instill his culture with the team? How long does it take before you can say, all right, this is the new coach's team? Can it be a week? Does it need to be a month? Does it need to be an entire season? What was the best transition you ever saw 
was there one that, yeah, he took over, but nothing really ever changed and it didn't work. So that's why we moved on pretty quickly. How much is transition in the National Football League from one coach to another? What kind of a process is it? What time frame does it take? Well, Rex Ryan came into New York Jets and he was replacing Eric Mangini. Uh, Eric Mangini, who, you know, was hardcore, tried to be Bill Belichick to a fault. Uh, you know, and Rex comes in, he's the opposite kind of guy. You know, Rex doesn't want to have rules, really. Uh, he wants it to be fun, exciting. He wants guys to come to work and have a great time, to want to come to practice. And so, and his personality is so big, you know, that he implemented it right away. And it worked. It worked for Rex for the first two years. Went to the AFC Championship twice. You know, but the other thing with Rex is, is that you have to have great leadership in the locker room because he doesn't want to find guys. He doesn't want to be a disciplinarian. And so if you have great leadership in that locker room, then it's going to work and you can then self-police that locker room. Once you, once they stop doing that and they got rid of guys, you know, Alan Fanica leaves and, um, you know, Thomas Jones leaves and, you know, uh, you got guys on both sides of the ball that aren't there anymore. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, it falls apart and, and it doesn't work anymore. But his personality was so big that he had an immediate change on that team. Uh, and and I, I never had more fun. I never had more fun going to practice, going to work every day. And Rex was crazy. Like, you didn't know what Rex was going to do. And he would do crazy <laughs> things every day. I mean, I remember at one time these two guys got in a fight. And ironically, it was on a, on a field goal attempt. Um, you know, it was one of the guys rushing off the end. It was one of the offensive linemen. And uh, and they got in a, they got in a big old fight, and Rex took the guy. The DB was rushing. He's like, "Listen, I want you to go in. You don't have to do the rest of practice. We had like an hour left in practice." He's like, "Go in, take the rest of the day off. You just make sure you're gone from that locker room when practice ends, because I don't want him coming back in there with you. There, you can have the rest of the day off. Uh, you know, it's just kind of funny. Always, you know, everything he did was kind of." different than, you know, like you know, your disciplinary coaches would never do that. They're, they're not going to diffuse a situation like that. But, um, you know, Rex was smart in that way. And, and we had a lot of fun and we won a lot of games. Hey, Jay, one thing I've gotten from covering this league is there are certain players that their peers are in awe of. I used to get that with Randy Moss. I used to talk to cornerbacks and they were like, this guy's different. I get it with Aaron Donald today. I talked to Brandon Brooks. He's like, you know, this guy's unbelievable. And I asked him who the second best defensive tackle was. He said, nobody's close. You might as well not have a number two. Is Justin Tucker that for kickers? Because I look at that guy and I just, the ball just jumps off his foot. It, it is does. unbelievable to me. It's amazing how, you know, he can hit the ball so hard and it explodes off his foot. And he gets tremendous height, but he has the ability to have the accuracy as well. Normally when you hit the ball that hard, um, you don't have the great accuracy. Janikowski could hit the ball like that, but he wasn't as accurate, near as accurate as Tucker was. You know, so that's what's really impressive is just that he has that leg strength, that he has the explosiveness of the ball, you know, but while at the same time being incredibly accurate and being able to kick his best under pressure because he's excellent when the game is on the line and those pressure moments. You know, he does an amazing job. And, yeah, he, he is a special player. And I've said a lot all along for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, Adam and Terry right now is the best of all time. Uh, but Tucker is quickly, you know, he's better than Adam was. His, per, his percentage is much better than Adam. He hasn't had those big clutch moments like Adam had in the Super Bowls. 
uh, you know, although he helped help them win a Super Bowl, but not the game winners like Adam mm-hmm. had the, the kicks, you know, in the snow against against the Raiders. He hasn't had those moments, but uh, his performance has been the best of all time. Jay, you are a guy who stayed in the league till you're 38 years old. Kickers can do that. More power to you. Um, but you're now a couple of years removed from the league. So I know this might be a tricky question because you have to answer it with where you are with your situation in life. I don't know if you have or haven't been vaccinated. If you were going into camp and you were dealing with players that weren't vaccinated, maybe you'd be one of them. Um, how much is this going to be a conversation between players? Are they going to attempt to influence them, them each other? Is someone who is vaccinated going to try and talk his teammate who's not vaccinated into getting vaccinated? Is the guy who's not vaccinated going to say, what the hell were you doing thinking getting vaccinated? How much of a conversation do you think it's going to be just between the players themselves? Well, I'm sure they have a tremendous amount of conversations. When you sit in those locker rooms, you're always talking to yourself and to everyone else. You're always you know, sitting there trying to uh, figure out life. You know, I mean, I, I was on the executive committee with the NFLPA for most of my time. You know, so we we're always talking about those type of issues. We're always sitting in the locker room bantering around. And, and this issue is more personal than any of those other issues. You know, and I think this issue, um, you see why guys uh, are emotional about it. But at the same time, you know, you have that dichotomy of you have to do what's best for your team. And, and sometimes you have to put aside what's best for you personally for what's best for your team. Um, you know, and so that's where I think the, the challenge exists in that locker room and for those coaches and, you know, where, where of course it's best for your team and, and the organization to get the vaccine because it's going to make it easier. And because of the rules that they've set up, but that individual is weighing, is it best for me individually, you know, as well as best for my team, you know, and, and obviously some people don't believe it's best for them individually you know, so they have this constant battle between themselves and what's best for their team. I think it's a really difficult situation for each one of those players to be in. You know, you're in an interesting spot, Jay, because you had so much experience with the NFLPA. And let's face it, the NFLPA is supposed to fight for the players. Now, the vast majority are on board because it's going to be a competitive disadvantage when you talk about the vaccinations. But there have been certain high profile guys we know who they are. They've been very vocal about it. How, how, how much of a difficult spot do you think it puts the union in? I mean, you want to fight for the player, but you also want to make everything safe for everybody else. H- how do you kind of walk that tightrope? Is it even possible to walk that tightrope? Yeah, I'm surprised that union hasn't fought back more. I really am for the individual players' rights. You know, you're going you're gonna to represent a player who gets – arrested for domestic violence and you're going to represent him fully because that's what your job is as a union. You're going to fight for somebody who, you know, um, gets in a, gets in an accident, a DUI, you're going to fight for them and and you're going to defend them fully, but they haven't done that in this case. And I'm surprised that the union hasn't taken a stronger stance and fought for those individuals and those players that have an issue and, and don't know if they want to take this vaccine because they feel like they don't know going forward um, what might happen to them or, or uh, you know, to individuals. And there are negative consequences. There are things that have happened to, to people here in the United States as a result of taking the vaccine. So, you know, I'm surprised that they haven't fought for the individual rights because they do that on, on almost every issue. Um, and they haven't done that on this. Jay, last thing. What do you got on your broadcast plate coming up this year? 
I mean, I'll be doing games for CBS. You just see me up there in the booth all week. So uh, it'll be fun. I can't wait for the season to start. There's, you know, so many uncertainties still. I think there's more uncertainties, well, not last year with COVID and everything, but when you look at personnel and you look at players and quarterbacks, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of intrigue and a lot of uncertainties still that you have to get through you know, this training camp period and figure out what's going to happen with a guy like Aaron Rodgers and figure out, you know, um, you know, all these different uncertainties that are out there and excited to see Tom Brady and see what happens with those bucks. And if he can keep, continue to, to ward off father time. And um, I wasn't surprised at all that he went in there. You talk about changing the cultures, coaches, you know, a guy like Tom Brady can change it, come in and completely change a culture on a team. And that's exactly what he did down there in Tampa and, and led him all the way to the Super Bowl. And that didn't surprise me one bit, but it'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait for the season to start. Jay here in Philadelphia, we're an a NFC team. So we get mostly Fox games, but I think we got at least a couple of CBS games. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to get you on the call this year. Right, Thanks guys. for hopping on with us early today. Again, my apologies. I didn't know you were in <laughs> oh, Arizona for well, the miscommunications on the time. Uh, since you're up, why don't go hit a bucket of balls or two? Appreciate right, you coming good. on. Take care, guys. That I'm is sure. Jay Feely. He does uh, color analyst work for <clears throat> CBS for the upcoming NFL season. Been doing it for the last couple of years. And yes, only 14 years in the league as an NFL kicker. And sorry, Eagle fans. I like the guy because he's been in the league 14 years, spent two years with the Jets. He related more Jet stories than anything else. He's one <laughs> of my ex-kickers as an ex-Jet. Jay Feely here with us on Bird Street 65. All right, we're coming back. I need to exit stage. Slept a little early today. My buddy, John McMullen, will be joined by my boss. Joe Krause is going to come back and put a bow on the show. Nice big end of show bow here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Bringing you home on Birds 365, jumping in for the last stretch run here, sitting in for uh, Jody Mack along with John McMullen. Uh, Johnny Mack, great to jump in for the final uh, 15 to 18 minutes of uh, broadcast content today uh, on this Monday. Good, good show. Birds 365 kicking off uh, training camp week with two great guests, and that sets the stage, John, uh, for what should be a fantastic Next five weeks of coverage on Burrs 365. Yeah, tremendous. Zach Berman was great, as he always is. Maybe nobody better covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Then to get Jay Bealey's perspective from a national level, you know, doing games for CBS Sports, 14-year NFL kicker. We know we have some special teams questions. You think about Dave Bitt, uh, Krause leaving this organization after so many years. Michael Clay, the new special teams coordinator, the youngest coordinator in the NFL, and you're going to have a new punter. It's probably going to be Aaron Sipos, but maybe it's somebody else. Jake Elliott's coming off a down season for him, so you have some questions there. Going to be interesting. And and the biggest questions, you know, the biggest question of all is, is this team going to make a move on Deshaun Watson? I have a feeling we're going to be talking about that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I do as well. I do want to talk in this final segment a little bit uh, about the anointed starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Before we do that, Johnny Mac, I did want to uh, take just a moment uh, to shout out uh, to everyone watching on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It has been an incredible stretch, an incredible run uh, for Birds 365, for the middle with Aton Harry and Barrett, and of course the National Football Show uh, with Dan Cilio. And with that in mind, I do want to put out there Johnny Mac and lots of details uh, to come uh, as we roll forward. But I did want to put out there, uh, we will be giving away one pair of season tickets for the 2021 season to one of our subscribers. So a lot more details to come, uh, but not a game, not a game. 
You've heard that before. Uh, but a pair of season tickets to one of our subscribers, and we'll have more details as we roll through training camp. That one game, the whole shebang. So it's the gonna whole be shebang. It's going to be interesting, and obviously that's great. We gave away the Devontae Smith jerseys around draft time. Everybody had fun with that. Uh, we're going to be doing that a lot more during the regular season. Uh, tickets, as you said, uh, road trips, as you mentioned in the past. It's going to be exciting for you. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Again, more details coming on our 2021 season ticket giveaway. We'll give away a pair of tickets if you are a subscriber. Uh, you're, you'll all, you already qualify uh, for those who are not subscribed. Uh, get subscribed to the Jacob Media Channel. Johnny, training camp uh, is report day tomorrow, and then Wednesday is the first practice it's it's also the first practice uh for Nick Sirianni talk about that uh a, a little bit as the play first of all what happens the players report tomorrow what takes place well you you have all the logistics and you can imagine there's a lot of stuff and you have to get the players ready they have to do you know certain players will have to do COVID testing that's uh you know ramped up as far as uh, the vaccine, and that's a big polarizing story nationally. So, y'all, you know, all the logistics, and you just give people a chance, and uh, they got to get the schedules down, and, and they got to understand where they have to be at certain times. One thing about camp is it's very, very structured, so everybody's getting that information, and they're coming together. They hit the practice field for the first time on Wednesday, but, you know, it's a new era, Krause, so you know, there's a ramp up period, as they call it, no pads for a week. So you can't do anything of that nature. Different world from the two a days where uh, you had guys out there for three hours. But this is the new NFL, the new reality. And it's just going to be exciting to see some of these players on the field. Steven Nelson, first time we get to see him, late signing. Uh, that'll all happen Wednesday morning. Let me use that to transition into our conversation uh, about Jalen Hurts. When Jalen Hurts walks into the locker room on Tuesday or perhaps when he walks out onto the practice field on Wednesday, is Jalen Hurts the anointed leader of the 2021 Eagles, John? Yeah, yes, for now. He is until he isn't, Krause. And he is until Deshaun Watson shows up. And if he doesn't show up, He's going to be the starting quarterback. I know Nick Sirianni has not mentioned or not confirmed he's the starting quarterback, but understand the offseason, he took every rep, uh, number one. He had he was the first guy on the field, he, even in the scale back offseason. So it's a it's you know, they don't want to hand a young player anything, which I understand. But look, if Deshaun Watson isn't here, Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback. Let me and get your he, opinion. Okay, finish up. And he's going to start day one as the starting quarterback, and he's going to take the first team reps throughout uh, the summer. Let me ask you a question. Let me let me push back on that thought process for a moment and get your opinion. Isn't the opposite, or should the opposite approach to Jalen Hurts? take precedent here you are the starting quarterback for the 2021 season the team is on your back we've got you uh your 
uh, receiver uh, that can spread the field, stretch the field. Uh, this is your team. This is your job to win or lose. Has any of that been said at all? Should it be? Now, I, I don't have a problem. Some people do have a problem. Some people will take your path, Krause, and say you should do it. Um, this is a second-round pick uh, who started four games as a rookie. I mean, it's not a top-ten pick where you say this is the future of our franchise. He's been given – he's going to be given an opportunity, a small path to take over this team because of what's happened with Carson Wentz. How small is that path going to be? Um, as Jody and I mentioned before you, you hopped on the show – Roger Goodell seems to amp things up by not putting Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. But even if the Eagles don't go in that direction, Jalen Hurts still has a very small path because this team has two first-round picks next year. They might have three, depending what goes on in Indianapolis. They could be in, in the market for a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft. So, He's got a very small path, a very small opportunity. But one thing about football, Krause, if you play well, they're not going to take you off the field. Of so that's he, that small path, and that's what he has. Standing on the side of that small path is Joe Flacco, who uh, the Eagles signed uh, and brought in here. Do you uh, expect to hear anything from Joe, or is it just the classic, he's the backup? Uh, or, as Nick said, Competi every every position is open to competition. Does Flacco compete for and have an uh, and have an opportunity to be the starter? No, no. I I mean Joe's going to take that path as a veteran guy. He's going to say he's he's competing. He's pushing. He's more competing to hold off Nick Mullins, the third string quarterback, than pushing Jalen Hurts. I think the only way Joe Flacco plays this year is if Jalen Hurts gets injured. Uh, now, if we're talking 0-4 start, 1-6 start, something of that nature, just an absolute disaster, which I don't think is going to happen, then you might revisit it. But the Eagles' plan is for Jalen Hurts to be the starting quarterback – and the only thing that's going to shift that plan is if they can acquire somebody better. Expand and, on John, expand on that word disaster uh, or because the team could be one in five after the first, after the first six games. And Oh, by the way, Jalen could play well and the team could still be one in five. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying because that's the difficult part of the schedule. I think if he plays well, they're going to find a way to win a few games, whether it's, you know, week one in Atlanta. Um, there's some other winnable games in there. I don't think he can play well, really well, and have this team at one and five. I just don't think it works that way in the modern NFL. If your quarterback is playing well, you're going to have an opportunity to win some of these games. So if they are one and five, I don't think anybody is going to complain about a potential benching at that point, because I think it's going to be ugly to be blunt. John, help us refresh our memory to the final four games that Jalen Hurts did play to end the season um, and then use that 
memory to transition into what you expect from him now, um, you know, through the off season and going into the season. I get it. He hasn't touched the field in 2021, but the four games, that's all we have unless we go back into his college career to try and assess or analyze whether or not he's going to be good or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he gave the offense some juice. I think everybody saw it. Um, part of that was just how poorly Carson Wentz was playing, Krause, and part of it was, remember, when you come in in the second half in Green Bay, nobody's expecting it. In other words, nobody is preparing for Jalen Hurts. Nobody's prepping. Nobody's game planning for him. So he gave them that juice early. And as he got later in what is a small sample size, teams knew he was the starting quarterback. Teams, teams started to prepare for him. It became more difficult. That's how it works in this league. Teams adjust. One thing first, 52% accuracy. Awful. Got to be better. Got to be much better. 65% is essentially an average quarterback in the modern NFL. It's got to go way up. Second part, look, he's a great runner. He, he has the ability to move the football with his legs. But he was too quick to do that. In other words, you want the Patrick Mahomes. You want the Russell Wilson. You want guys who can extend plays, but they're extending plays while still looking down the field, trying to get the big gash in the pass play. Then if you have to run, you run and you make it. But what you can't have is you look at the first progression, then your head goes, head goes down and you run the football. That's not a recipe for success. Do you, based on those deficiencies, John, that you see, um, do you think there's a chance for Jalen to improve collectively in all of those categories? Because if not, um, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, he can improve. I mean, players improve. That's part of it. That's one thing I've argued. I talk about the Sixers all the time and the Eagles as well. One of the reasons Doug Peterson isn't here any longer is because of player development. Uh, you don't draft a finished product. It's the job of the coaching staff to get these players playing better. Uh, coaches will tell you in this league, you normally see the biggest jump from year one to year two for a lot of reasons. But one of them, the most simple is guys just feel more comfortable. It's their second year. You can imagine being a rookie in the NFL. Most of these guys are in a new city for the first time. They got to find a place to live. They're 21 years old, 22. These things aren't easy for young people. You have all these things being thrown at them. So, Year two, they're more comfortable, number one. Uh, they understand the system uh, if you're under the same coaching staff. One of the problems with Jalen is they've changed the coaching staff. So he has to learn another system. So that becomes more difficult. But things should have at least slowed down a little bit for him. And, yeah, he's got to improve. But there's no reason it can't improve. Last question on Jalen Hurts, and I know we're getting close to the top of the hour, uh, Johnny Mac. Uh, your assessment, your opinion, does Jalen Hurts have the talent? Is it 
about his talent or is it about the coaching he's going to get? Which one will make the biggest difference for Jalen Hurts? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Krause. I think always when we talk about young quarterbacks, we always talk about, look, we know he has the traits, the skill set to succeed. What we don't know is if he has the intangibles. Is he a leader? Uh, will will people follow him? Um, it, with Jalen Hurts, it's it's almost the exact opposite. We know he's a natural leader. We know guys gravitate towards him. We know he has this unbelievable work ethic, and he's going to do everything possible to improve. What we don't know is he has if he has the high level skill set of an NFL passer. I can't tell you that. To me, people aren't going to like me, but it happens all the time. It doesn't seem like to me he's going to be a high-level passer in the NFL. That's just Birds my perspective. But he can Birds, get better. Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody Mack back tomorrow here on the Jacob Media Network on YouTube. Thanks again for subscribing. Two minutes until we say goodbye, John. I want to set the table. Wednesday, you'll be down at Novacare. You'll be reporting in uh, to Birds 365. Barrett Brooks will do some double duty while uh, you're covering your first look through the McMullen lens. Uh, will be on Wednesday, and of course, we'll have all kind of coverage, including uh, John McMullen nightly on football 24 7. Yeah, excited to do that, especially, you know, Birds 365. Uh, it, it's, we've had so much success on the show. But to do that daily training camp, I think people are going to be interested in it. I think people are going to be excited. We did the the hit after Stephen Nelson signed, very successful. People are jacked up, Krause. Yeah, it's here. I think you said in that uh, breaking news conversation that we had yesterday, I think you referred to it, Johnny Mac, as the craziness has has started. The circus, and the the circus. circus is here. Yeah. Good memory. There it is. The circus begins, has already begun, uh, but the players do uh, report tomorrow. First practices on Wednesday. Uh, Sunday, August 8th, is the first public practice. And then the first preseason game will be on the 12th. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Birds 365. Glad to jump in uh, and bring the show home. Uh, Johnny Mack, great stuff, my friend. You'll be back tomorrow with Jody Mack. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, bro. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.